0: All right, Friday edition, Locked On Syracuse. Happy to have you back with us as we are every single weekday, the only place for your daily Syracuse podcast. It's Tim Leonard and Tyler Rocky. You can follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse. And Tyler, it's been a very active week on Twitter in terms of news coming in. The lines are humming, Tim. They're humming. It's been hard to plan the podcast this week, which is kind of both fun and a little annoying, I guess, from... Uh, perspective of our perspective, which no one really cares about. But anyway, we're here now to talk about Syracuse sitting out of another practice, which I was pretty surprised to see this come up again. Came out late Thursday night. Nico Tamorian had it first, and then Stephen Bailey kind of confirmed. And I think Stephen Bailey added why they sat out, which is the same reason they sat out last time. It's kind of a lack of testing or are not enough testing to their liking, being the players' and that's liking. that's
1: super interesting, too, because, I mean, the way that you brought this up first is how we've had to restructure our schedules on a lot of our conversations that we're going to go into, but that we haven't even talked about really the first time that they sat out <laughs> right. practice. A, because it happened on a Friday, so we have the weekend break where we're not producing shows, and then on top of that, just the fact that it seemed like college football was coming crashing down, after that weekend. So that's obviously taking precedent over the fact that a couple of Syracuse players are sitting out for a season that may or may not happen. And three days of sitting out practice, I got to say this, I don't know how this isn't garnering more attention. I agree. When you look at what's actually happening in Syracuse, I mean, there is a players led sit out of practice. Yeah. And when you look at it from the Florida state perspective, those guys and I, I even saw a tweet about this it was like oh there's like a third string receiver who's tweeting about the injustice done upon him by the university yet an entire team is sitting out and they're not they're not garnering any news attention yeah, i think I, that I totally is agree. a way bigger story that even i know florida state's obviously the the money program right there but when a, a power 5 team in a conference like the acc is sitting out practice because they don't like the protocols in place to me. I mean, that's the same magnitude as that Northwestern story we saw years ago. Yeah. I believe it was Kane Coulter when they were trying to unionize the players.
0: Yeah. And I did see Pete Thamel, who we talk about a lot in this podcast because he's been kind of all over this Yeah, him, David thing. Hale. I mean, they're, they're all on it and they're tweeting about it, but
1: I, I'm not seeing the stories written outside yeah. of the local area.
0: No, I I totally agree. That that's a good point because I mean this is pretty pretty bonkers, right? Like when this first came across, I was like, "Whoa." Like that was my first reaction was "Whoa" when I saw it the first time it happened. Now this is the third day they've sat out in the last 8 days
1: and probably more coming. Yeah, because too, because they're waiting for tests to come back and that's probably not going to happen overnight.
0: Right. So the testing clearly has been a topic since the outset of the million dollar question of will there be football this fall that we've talked about a ton on this podcast throughout the summer and you go you can go back to one of our older podcasts i bet and we would say testing is really really important and i don't think testing has been talked about quite as much recently because some of the other stuff like the liability and the amateurism have come to the forefront which makes total sense but mm-hmm. i mean you go back to what we were saying and Maybe early August or even early July, It would we, we haven't gotten to the point of the point that we were saying we had to get to back then on the testing front. And I think that's still worth mentioning because you're seeing a Power 5 team, our team Syracuse, sit out now three of the last eight days. And it's never good when when that's happening. Pitt canceled the practice today because they had symptoms and it seems like all their players have passed the tests or negative tests. So Yeah, they
1: had some of those instant tests. That's right. what happens. I mean, you see it in baseball too when someone is showing symptoms, they get an instant test. And that that's probably what I'm assuming the these Pitt players had too. Yeah. But I think it is absolutely bonkers. That I don't know if you've seen this, and I think this is starting to come into the light a little bit more now. So we know that Syracuse, they fought and they ultimately won with the university that we want to be tested two times a week. Well, that's actually only in season. Yeah. This off season, or the preseason rather, they're getting tested every other week. That's just absurd, and that's that's behind the eight ball because you see smaller programs. I think I saw Charlotte is getting tested every week, but if you're testing every other week, then honestly, what's the point? At that point, you might as well just say like, "All right, if you're feeling symptoms, let us know, and we'll get you a test." Right. But you should be testing a couple times a week, even during the preseason. And I think that's what these Syracuse players are ultimately working towards here. They need more testing during the preseason. And I don't blame them because guess what? When you look at what's going to happen now with all the students coming back, and and on Syracuse's campus right now, there are students back in session right now. So. You're going to have to watch that because, I mean, we've already seen, what, eight students have submitted a positive test at Syracuse University. Now, none of them, I don't believe, are actually on campus. I think a handful are in Central New York, but not necessarily on campus. So that's going to be the thing because you're having all of these students that are coming into the campus and... A handful of them are going to be on South Campus because that's where the football players stay, but it's also where a a large majority of other students stay. And they're going to be intermingling, using some of the same facilities, dining halls, all that stuff. And that's where you might run into some problems.
0: Yeah, I've heard the number thrown around that's come from Syracuse that has said 100 positive cases and they'll have to shut down. Well, I'm not a negative Nancy, but that... Could happen. I mean that that doesn't take more than a couple kids running around being positive, and then boom, the the numbers spiral. Yeah, there, Tim, you so and I have
1: far been far. to parties with more than a hundred people. All right. Yeah. If we went to a party now and someone walks in and, and they have COVID, that thing's spreading around that party.
0: Right. And again, it only takes one sort of knucklehead that's on campus that may even know he has it.
1: And trust, and trust me, there's plenty of those at yes. Syracuse.
0: Plenty of them. <laughs> Unfortunately. One. And that's not a knock on Syracuse. That's just college. I mean, ask anyone wherever they went to college. I think they'd agree yeah. with that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I would agree. This is not getting the news coverage that I would expect it to. And props to the players for stepping up. And this goes along with this trend of, you know, there has been talks about a college football player union, which is bonkers, but that's another thing that's come to the forefront here in 2020, and it's continuing this player empowerment trend. These players have a voice, whether it's the We Want to Play movement that's been going on on Twitter, or it's another movement, and I think it's great that Syracuse has been one of the schools that has come together as a team, and Dino even says that it's a positive from a coach's perspective because they can talk about everything, and he likes that the team has come together, and they're not hiding anything, hiding their feelings. They're just going to come to him and talk about it, and I'm confident they'll come to a resolution, but that's why you do this stuff, so there are changes. And not just that,
1: the fact that there's open dialogue between or within the team and and the administration, but I think on top of that, you look at it from this perspective – you're seeing these players having these conversations with players from other schools, and I think that's ultimately what Syracuse is kind of pushing for here because you've heard the players, and, and Tommy DeVito and, and Chris Elmore and a number of these other guys have talked about how they're not necessarily comfortable with, or well, they're comfortable with what Syracuse is doing in-house for the most part, at least for when the season starts. In the preseason, it seems like they're a little uneasy with how things have gone. But once the seasons start, they're cool with what they've got in place. But they don't necessarily know what to expect from the other programs. And that's what's causing them a little bit of uneasiness about playing this season. So this is where I think... This is the ultimate goal of what Syracuse is doing here. They want to sharpen their protocols so that everyone else sharpens theirs. The players... again. When you see your brother, your older brother, he gets a a snicker bar in the checkout line at the grocery store. Guess what? You're going to ask for that snicker bar too, right? So that's exactly what is going to go on right here. Syracuse is going to try to up the ante for everyone else in the ACC. So there's protocols in place across the board that are uniform and they're up to the standards that Syracuse players feel safe. Okay. So when that takes place and everyone else anties up, that's when you know you're going to have a real firm plan in place.
0: Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think it, it's good what they're doing. All right, let's pause for just a second. Got to remind you guys about the best place to maintain and repair your car right now. That's by going online, not to an auto store. Instead, you can go to rockauto.com, which is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers today it is my new favorite thing to do instead of going to the auto store i don't know why i didn't think of this a long time before they started sponsoring this show because it makes everything so much easier don't have to worry about the auto store taking somehow an hour longer than you thought it would and always being more of a hassle than you think it is and always feeling like you might be getting ripped off rockauto.com has great prices for your daily or classic driver they are incredibly reliable always come in a timely manner very easy to use their website and when you go to rockauto.com be sure to write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you here at the locked on podcast network rockauto.com amazing selection reliably low prices and all the parts your car will ever need We also see some news that comes out sort of nationally on Thursday. And I'd say the big news was NCAA fall championships have been announced that they're being canceled by the NCAA, which not that shocking again that it comes out. But I I do feel like that has potentially some domino effect. Maybe not saying tomorrow or the next day, but that has to be something that a school like an ACC conference is considering because if you think about it right now take Syracuse they have all fall sports still on their schedule right now they're planning to go ahead with all fall sports well all of a sudden men's soccer now has no chance of playing in an playing for a national title so is men's soccer really going to take the field this year i guess you could play for a conference championship but i mean i think that definitely impacts Syracuse, or rather the ACC, I guess, is decision to push forward with the other fall sports. It does not affect NCAA football. FBS is separate. CFP, the college football playoff, is separate. I'll note that. But I still think it has an effect, right? I
1: think in some degree it does. But I, I think if they can play, they're going to try to play just because of the whole eligibility thing. Again, you don't want to stockpile an extra 6 7 guys on your soccer roster for next year just because of the fact that you you can't play in a championship no they're going to want to try to get these kids eligibilities and and run them through a little bit because you've got an incoming class of recruits that you got to take care of as well are you going to is the NCAA going to make exceptions for eligibility roster sizes all that stuff i don't think so yeah. and it's just gonna become a crowded situation and I don't know. We'll see how, how that all plays out, but I, I I tend to to lean on the side of even if there even though there's no NCAA championships, if they can play a season and if they can figure out a way, they're gonna to try to do it.
0: Yeah, I, I guess I'm just kinda of also going off. Pete Thamel quoted a source that said this could have an effect on the power conferences by the NCAA sort of shutting this down. And he was not expecting the decision to come through this early, but he said a decision is finally expected next week from the NCAA on fall championships. That could linger as a factor into decisions by conferences. And the source to Pete Thamel said, can we live in a world where the Big 12, ACC, SEC, American, Conference USA, and Sunbelt are playing football and none of the other sports are playing it's going to be something each league will have to address. Which Yeah,
1: and, and not to mention also that there were three more college football yeah. conferences that, that canceled their seasons. And, and I think we may have had one or two other teams push their seasons back or, or opt out, all that stuff. So it is definitely something that's ramping up. But I, I did see this too. The ACC presidents met yesterday, yeah. and basically they came out that there's no news Right. And the, the caveat going into this was that they were going to make a quote-unquote final, final decision yesterday. And that obviously wasn't the case. They didn't come out with a final, final decision. And usually I, I think no no news is good news in a situation like this. And I honestly I agree. I think no news is probably good news. But you also have to consider the fact that they wanted to make a final, final decision and didn't make one. So does that mean that something else was on the table? Because a final, final decision was going to be that they were either going to, they they didn't basically say that we are pushing full steams ahead yeah again. So I I would have thought that maybe they would double down on that at some point yesterday through the meetings, but they didn't come to that conclusion, which worries me a little bit.
0: The other news that came out is the NCAA's medical experts released a report and I got a chuckle out of it because I mean the language in it is pretty damning some of the stuff they say comparing it to the Titanic on sort of the state of where the chances are at of college football happening and again this is the NCAA they don't make the decision for the ACC or the SEC but I feel like they were basically just to make it a 2020 term subtweeting the ACC and the SEC and saying yeah I don't know what reports you have, but these are our reports, and it's just simply not possible to have... Like, they just said, there's no way to do this right now. And they make it seem kind of like the Pac-12 and the Big Ten did, that they didn't have much of an option. This was just, unfortunately, the decision they came to. And then you... I mean, that's... It just goes back to the same thing we've been saying over and over, is how does the ACC have their medical experts saying something so different. And listen,
1: the the NCAA can subtweet all they want. This is kind of on them. They need to have some oversight over their their conferences right now. I mean, this is a a self-institutional problem, and they're not addressing it one bit. I mean, I think – I will say this. I think the Big 12 has done the best job out of anyone handling this because it seems like they're going to, A, push for the interests of the players – while B, also making sure that there's health and safety in place. I think they're testing three times a week in the season. That's the protocol they came up with. And on top of that, they're going to make sure that there's heart tests in place as well for all of these players, which honestly, those should be in place anyway. Forget COVID. Like That should just be something, uh, an amenity, a perk that comes along with being a college athlete. So... I wouldn't be surprised to see all these other... Again, this is kind of gets back to to my snicker bar and the the grocery store line argument. The Big 12 has that. These Syracuse players are talking, they probably want that. If they've got friends in the Big 12, if they know other guys in other conferences, they're probably talking about that, saying, all right, we need that now, all right? Because that's how we are going to feel safe going out and playing against these other schools. And then if something were to happen and someone were to contract it, and we do need to watch for this myocarditis as well, that needs to be addressed, and the, there needs to be protocol in place to make sure all these players feel safe playing the game.
0: Yep, no doubt. Well, a weird, weird week in college athletics, and we'll see what happens over the weekend. We'll be back on Monday to discuss that some more. But before we wrap up on the week here on the Lockdown Syracuse podcast, Got to react to some news that was really only news for a couple hours. Alan Griffin is staying in Syracuse. The coach, Alan Griffin, we have to clarify. There was some interest from Indiana, but he told Mike Waters and Syracuse.com that he is staying put in Syracuse. We'll react to that good news next. All right, so Syracuse is still going to have two Alan Griffins on their basketball roster, basketball staff, that whole thing as far as we know for right now and i guess I- i've come to the conclusion we should just call coach griffin griff let's just go with griff for him and then the player alan griffin we can just call alan griffin we need i to-
1: g i've always been a big proponent of a g for alan griffin
0: okay for the player a- for the griffin. player yes okay. for the player
1: see i'm already confusing you with my, <laughs> my substitutions and nicknames here yes
0: the alan griffin with the a is the player the alan griffin with the e in the first name is the coach well the coach or how about
1: double l huh double l
0: oh true yeah that's see we're just going to throw out too many nicknames they're going to be it's going to be too hard to keep track but the the good news is that alan griffin is staying with syracuse and he came out and squashed that real quick i mean i was kind of happy to see him just make his stance Felt he probably didn't even know that it was out there, and then he noticed it was and just said, Yeah, I'm staying at Syracuse. Mike Waters reported, I believe it was last night, which unlocked on time that is Wednesday night, that Syracuse or Indiana rather was going to at least show some interest in bringing on Alan Griffin and Archie Miller rekindling with Alan Griffin to his staff. We talked about that on the podcast on Thursday. And then by the time it's the end of the day, Thursday, Alan Griffin has already squashed it. So I was happy to see that he came out so firmly and was like, yeah, I mean, this is my home. Syracuse is my home and I'm staying here.
1: And I know we we talked about scenarios where he would and wouldn't take the Indiana job. I'm I'm largely not surprised. Right. I mean, it's really tough to turn down uh, a Hall of Fame coach like Jim Bayheim, because again, Alan Griffin, while he's an assistant now, my guess is his aspirations is not to be an assistant for the rest of his career. His aspirations are to be a head coach one day. Jim bayheim has got connections ac- across the globe, basketball-wise. If Alan Griffin wants to be a head coach one day, I'm pretty sure <laughs> that Jim Bayheim's word is going to hold a lot more weight than Archie Miller's word, so... To you want to you want to stick with with a guy like Beheim as as much as you can, and he he will vouch for you, and and one day down the road that's going to be a very powerful endorsement. And I think that along with the fact that I mean Jim Bayheim gave him his chance to play college basketball, Jim Bayheim helped him become a good college basketball player, and Jim Beheim has given him a chance at a power five university.
0: I think sometimes maybe I've come to this conclusion during the quarantine in the off season. But Uh-oh, is this is
1: this the quarantine brain is <laughs> this it churning? could be.
0: I hope not because it's a positive outlook for Syracuse. I think we sometimes underrate the assistant coaches that are on the staff right now. Because just think about what's happened since the season has ended. Red Autry has just been picking up recruits left and right. It seems like any of these guys, Frank Anselm, Benny Williams, they're just all like, yeah, that was huge, was Coach Autry. He was after me all the time. We had a great relationship. We talked about whatever we wanted to. He's been great on the recruiting trail. GMAC has been labeled by ESPN as one of the best up-and-coming coaches under 30 or under 40, I Four, think it was. Under 40, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good sign. GMAC has also been very big on the recruiting trail, maybe slightly before the quarantine with Dior Johnson and guys like that being the main recruiter. And then just the fact that Indiana, top of mind for them, one of their first guys to replace their top assistant is a Syracuse assistant. And they reached out to Alan Griffin, who you kind of forget that he had a very nice start to his career away from Syracuse proved his stripes outside of the orange. So there's no reason to believe, Oh, this is just nepotism or them doing good to one of their former players. I mean, they've got three really good assistants. I I feel like it's something that you don't think about a whole lot because obviously they should have that. And maybe it goes under the radar. You just always focus on the head coach and he gets a lot of, the good news and the bad news, depending on how the team's doing. But, I mean, the assistants are very valuable, and I'm happy with the three they have right now. I think my expectations and my feelings towards those three has only gone up since the season has ended as well.
1: And, again, the assistant coaching is so crucial in college sports too because they do a lot of the recruiting, and they are the ones traveling and maintaining those relationships and all that stuff. And while while we know Griff isn't leading the wagon on recruiting, we, we see mostly Red and and GMAC carrying the brunt of that work. That doesn't mean he's not involved in the process. So, I yeah, it's it's definitely good to see that Syracuse has this sort of staff and it, they know the Orange way. They've all played. They have that fraternal brotherhood of the fact that oh we all played for Bayheim. We know what it's like to play for this guy. We know what it's like to play in the dome in front of. 20,000, 25,000 screaming fans, and they just have that relationship. No, There's no better advocate in, for the Syracuse program because, again, I feel like Syracuse is an acquired taste as opposed to some of these other schools like Kentucky where they're just the glitz and the glamour. You're going to pay top dollar for it. Every single time. Syracuse is kind of that acquired taste. I would feel like as a recruit, again, you're not going into the greatest of weather situations. You're yeah. in a kind of isolated from major cities and stuff like that. So it's it's definitely a an acquired taste, I think, is, is the way that recruits would probably describe it. And if they can tell you and they can endorse a great experience that they have, that's who you want. And I think with Griff, too, with him coming back, That's important for this season, especially because you want as little unfamiliarity as possible heading into this year, and especially with a big man room that's going to feature at least four guys, and Griff's worked closely with all of them pretty much for their entire careers at Syracuse. That's important.
0: Griff definitely raves about Jesse Edwards, too, and I think he's really excited to keep working with jesse edwards also shout out to sean keely on twitter who is the best uh, yeah the creator of is Noons he the Magician. best is He's he the best unreal. twitter follow yeah on I've,
1: syracuse for syracuse in terms of not necessarily saying he gets the scoops and stuff like that but is he the best twitter follow for syracuse i think he, is. he might
0: james zuba our good pal is great mm-hmm. um i mean there's a lot a lot of great guys out there i don't want to get into naming because then i'll fail to mention some but John Keely tweeted right after it became known that Alan Griffin was staying, for once, nice to see Indiana get an open shot against Syracuse and miss. <laughs> Obviously, referring to Keith Smart. And, and, you know, I, actually, mean, I
1: watched that video today. I watched the Keith oh, really? Smart video today.
0: Were you just trying to torture yourself? <laughs> yeah, what, no, I was just scrolling
1: through YouTube, and um, you know how it, re-lo- it loads up another video after? Yeah, yeah, so the the Keith Smart video came on, and I was just like, "Oh, I'm, oh no, why not? It's 2020." Oh man, <laughs> like,
0: I would never not? do it. I'd frantically click away from it, and then just the whole lack of a timeout right after too still bugs me watching that back. But anyway, Sean Keely's been great. He he had another good one this week about the Biden Harris ticket, and said Biden Harris sounds like they should be a long stick. Oh, long for, stick for, uh, Hobart. for Hobart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which, maybe that's kind of an inside joke that not many people will find funny, but he is is terrific.
1: Yeah, no, that was, yeah.
0: Shout out to him. Shooting from the hip, Sean Keeley. Yeah, keep doing you. All right, well, that'll wrap things up this week on the Locked On Syracuse podcast. We will be back Monday, and we'll probably be talking some college football. We do have a ton of basketball recruiting news to get to and kind of update on multiple things that are going on in 2021 and 2022 and some stuff we're hearing that... I think I'm excited to talk about. So maybe we'll get to some of that on Monday. We're also hoping to talk to our pal, Matthew Gutierrez, over at The Athletic soon. So keep a lookout for that as we are back next Monday right here, wherever you get your podcast. You can find us on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse. Everyone stay safe out there, and we'll talk to you guys next week.